For me, it's become a familiar odor I associate with the vibrancy and claustrophobia of Northern African life. By the time we landed in Morocco, I could barely keep my eyes open. I flew all day and night and arrived smack dab in the middle of the day. It's one o'clock and all I want to do is sleep for eight hours, which will do nothing but royally mess with your system. I've discovered that a little sunshine, exercise, and a catnap by the pool is the key to combating jet lag. Sitting by a five-star hotel's pool in Morocco is, in many ways, like sitting by any luxury hotel pool, except when it comes to the staff. With a ratio of nearly one staff member to each guest, you can't help but be impressed by the graciousness and attentiveness. It almost makes you uncomfortable with its cloying sense of devotion. I appreciate good service, but I loathe endless sycophantic kowtowing to the point where you have to kick somebody out of your hotel room because they are simply overstaying their welcome. Offering to do everything but brush your teeth for you just feels downright awkward. As I headed from my room to the pool, I had at least 15 interactions with employees. Each one wanted to escort me somewhere, steer me towards a restaurant, or get me into the gift shop. Half of it is new age hucksterism, with employees earning a few cents if they can maneuver you into some other part of the hotel where you can be separated from more of your money. I couldn't quite put my finger on why all this seemed to feel so unusual, especially considering that I have been to more than my share of cities with overly pandering hotel staff. They weren't making fun of me, but it seemed there was an inside joke going on that I just couldn't quite figure out. Want a refresher course on the right way and wrong way to travel? Head to the hotel pool, where you'll stumble upon ugly Americans, ugly Brits, ugly Aussies, ugly Germans, and ugly Italians barking at pool attendants, stuffing their faces with the endless sea of westernized buffet fare. Hamburgers, lasagna, and pizza, you name it. It's there at any one of the half dozen hotel restaurants. Here's a travel tip. Moroccan stew, chock full of lamb innards and brains served on the streets, is one of the safest dishes you can eat in this country. It's fresh, cared for by hand, and battle-tested for generations. What will leave you praying to the porcelain gods are sliced tomatoes at the hotel buffet, or worse, Americanized food cooked by people without the faintest idea of what it's supposed to look or taste like or how to properly handle the ingredients. Needless to say, the majority of my fellow hotel guests complained of the Moroccan stomach issues by day three, while I bounced around feeling like a million bucks. As they ate themselves into pathogenic bacterial oblivion, I sipped on light and sweet iced mint teas, knowing the evening would be filled with lots of phenomenal food from one of the world's great food centers. I also snacked on a platter of fruit, which made me fall in love at first bite with fresh Moroccan produce. Lounging poolside that day, I made it my mission to eat as much fresh Moroccan fruit as I could handle. To my taste, Morocco grows the world's finest fruits and vegetables. The agrarian communities at the base of the Atlas mountain chain are filled with rich soil with ample waterfalls streaming down from the highest peaks, transferring decayed volcanic mulch to the valleys below. Plantless rock formations tower 10,000 feet high, and in the crooks of their arms lie piles of the most fertile soil imaginable. These valleys, often many degrees warmer than the surrounding areas, create microclimates perfect for farming. Driving through the mountains, you see palm trees, plants, and rich vegetation sitting at the bottom of two rock formations, lush and dense like an oasis. And everything 10 feet above the tree line is solid rock without even a blade of grass to be found. Odd, but the radiant heat rebounds off those rock faces as well as back into the lush ravines, making it even more beneficial for the growing of fruits and vegetables. In one valley, you find nothing but sweet onions. One mountain over, tomatoes. 
One more over, oranges. The list goes on and on. Locals will carry tree-ripened apricots a half mile up from the valley floors to the roads and highways coursing along the mountainside, selling handmade baskets filled with fruit for a few pennies each. One bite of this succulent fruit and there was no turning back. We'd sit in the car snacking on apricots for hours. This fruit was perfect. No blemishes, mealy spots, or bruises. Incredible, considering that this fruit is legendary for its instability. I'd pop these tree-ripened apricots into my mouth and spit out the seed in one fell swoop. It was completely addicting, like powering down a bag of peanuts at a baseball game, and I couldn't jam the second apricot in fast enough. This perfection carried over to the tomatoes, pineapples, grapes, melons, and nearly every other food we encountered. The quality is inextricably tied to their fertile soil, as well as their organic, sustainable approach to farming. However, organic and sustainable aren't buzzwords in Morocco. They don't need to turn down chemicals or make a safe trade.